Psalm chapter number 52 and uh, appreciate the grace of God. Amen. And uh, never get tired of hearing about that old story. And uh, I agree 100% with everything that Brother Barnes said. Uh, if he didn't change you, he didn't save you. And I believe we have Bible on that. And uh, I'm thankful tonight that he's changed my life. And he's continuing uh, to do the work that he began to do as a 14-year-old boy. He continues to draw me closer to himself. And I thank the Lord for that. Amen. Psalm chapter number 52 tonight. Let's look at verse number 1, if we will. Psalm chapter number 52. We'll read these few verses, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us. Psalm 52 in verse number 1. The Bible says, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. You know, I didn't know if Democrats were in the Bible or not, but there they are. <laughs> Amen. He said, Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever, and he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. That's strong language. Verse 6, he said, The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Then David said in verse number 8, he said, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us. Our Father, tonight we come to you, Lord, thankful, Lord, for the service, God, that we've had thus far. Lord, we thank you, God, for the good singing. God, we thank you, dear Lord, for the good testimonies, Lord, of your grace, of what you've done in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I'm ever grateful, Lord, for what you've done for me. God, thank you, Lord, for coming by my way one day, Lord, saving me, lifting me up out of hell and seating me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that. God, tonight, Lord, we stand here, Lord, in need of your touch. God, you know our frame. You know, God, that we're but dust tonight. Lord, we need a breath from another world. God, we need the unction and the power of the Spirit of God tonight. Lord, I ask you, God, that you would encourage hearts tonight. Lord, that you would strengthen us, Lord, in this midweek service. God, I pray that Christ would have the preeminence. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would draw honor and glory out of this message for yourself. God, have your will and way. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. We ask you once again for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Psalm chapter number 52. We know uh, that it is a psalm of David tonight. But really, just to kind of catch you up to speed uh, with what's taking place in the psalm tonight, you can look and think back to 1 Samuel chapter number 21 and chapter number 22. We know that David is a fugitive at this point in his life. He's on the run from Saul, and uh, Saul is breathing out these threatenings. He's thrown javelins at David. He's done all of these things, and he's uh, taken numerous attempts at David's life, and David just takes matters into his own hands, and he, free, he flees to the country uh, of the Philistines, and we find David at Cave Adullam, and David is there. He's trying to gather his 
men together. Uh, he's on the run for his life and he comes uh, to the high priest and he goes there uh, to where the priest is and he asked him for, uh, to uh, be able to refresh himself and he asks him uh, for bread and so that, that man, uh, Ahimelech, not only gives him the bread, but he also gives him the sword of Goliath and he strengthens David and he sends him on his way. But there is a man uh, under the leadership of Saul, uh, a man named Doeg. He's the chief of all the herdsmen uh, of Saul's army and he sees what takes place. He sees everything that's going on and Doeg runs back to Saul and he tells uh, Saul these happenings and these things that have happened uh, concerning David, how this uh, high priest has helped David and uh, Saul is infuriated by this. He's mad. Of course, he wants to kill David, but he also wants to kill anybody who would lend a helping hand to David. And so Saul gives the order uh, for this man to be killed and so these men that work for Saul, they are kind of skeptical about laying their hand against the anointed of God. They're uh, skeptical about doing harm to the priests of God and they hesitate. And there is a man named Doag who saw all these events. He steps up and he's a very uh, godless man and he's a very wicked man. And he steps up and he says, if nobody's willing to take care of business, I'll take matters into my own hands. And he not only slaughtered those priests, but he kills their wives, he kills their children, he slaughters all the oxen, all the asses, all of the livestock, and he utterly destroys all of them and their family tonight. He is a man who does not know God. He is a man who is wicked tonight. He is full of the devil. And we see David writing in Psalm chapter number 52 about this man named Doeg. We find in verse number one, David says this, we find the wonder of the wicked in verse number one. He said, why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. And we've called this tonight the wonder of the wicked for this reason. Have you ever looked at somebody's life and you knew that they were lost? You knew that they did not live for God? You knew the wicked life that they lived, but it seemed like they lived life on easy street. It seemed like everything that they touched turned to gold. And here you are doing your very best to serve God. I mean, you're trying to put your best foot forward and it seems like every, take, every time uh, you take one step, by, step forward, uh, you take two steps back. It seems like you just cannot get ahead in life and we come to the conclusion and the question in our heart and our mind is why God? Why is this happening? Why uh, are they able to boast their self? Why are they able to, uh, to be so bold in their uh, wicked living and their evil lifestyle and why does it seem like they're the ones getting blessed and we're the ones living hand to mouth. We're the ones just trying to get by. We're the ones just trying to find a blessing. Uh, just find, uh, trying to find uh, some crumbs at the bottom of the barrel. I'll tell you why. David has the answer for this tonight. He said, why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? And then he makes this statement. He said, the goodness of God endureth continually. Can I tell you something tonight? The very goodness of God and the judgment of God and God 
God exercising his wrath upon an individual is not contingent upon what they do. It is not contingent upon what you do. But God, who is rich in mercy, he's extending time for repentance. He's extending a hand of mercy. And would to God they would repent and they would get right with God. But if they don't, the wheels of the judgment of God, they may grind slow, but rest assured they are grinding. And thank God the godly will come out on top. Amen. We see the wonder of the wicked. They will get what is theirs. But then we see this. We see the words of the wicked in verses 2, 3, and 4. Look what the Bible says in verse number 2, 3, and 4. He said, Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. He said, thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. And so we think of the wonder of the wicked, but then we examine tonight the words of the wicked. How uh, has Doag come to a place uh, where he is willing to take all of these lives, where he's willing uh, to commit murder because there have been un- unbridled passions and there have been unbridled lusts that have taken place in this man's heart. He does not know God. He does not fear God. And he is so full of himself that there is no room for anyone else in his life. Uh, and David is telling us this, that the very speech of that man and the very speech of that individual betrays him and it reveals the true uh, uh, meaning and the true feeling uh, and the true uh, identity of this man's heart. You know, you can tell a whole lot about a person tonight about the kind of words they use. I was with a a man today and I'm not going to say his name, but he's a preacher friend of mine and I've known him from uh, years gone by and after Bible college we went separate ways another college I attended uh, not here at the church came here and finished but started Bible college with this man and now he's pastoring in the area and uh, we went out for lunch today thought everything was going to be okay but I was shocked today and it's fitting that I'm talking about this message tonight I didn't know I was going to talk about this I made arrangements to go meet with him but I was shocked today at the kind of language that he was using He was using vulgar, this man's a pastor. He was using vulgar language. He was using gutter talk. He was using uh, things that Christians ought to not say, much less a pastor, amen? And I was surprised by that. And you know what I did? I got home and I talked to my wife about that. And I think I said, it'd just be better for me just to split ways with him, just to not fellowship with him. I don't think I'm better than anybody tonight, amen? But I have to guard myself. If he's talking and making vulgar comments about women, that might bleed over into my heart. That might bleed over into my life. And I may be guilty and may be doing that, amen? But thank God, listen, we ought to take a stand and we We ought to guard our mouth and we ought to guard what we listen to. And thank God, listen, I'm telling you, the Bible tells us this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh tonight. Amen. You say, well, you know, I just like to uh, use a little bit of uh, gutter talk and I just like to use a little bit of figurative language. No, listen, the verbal communication that is coming out of your mouth tonight is a reflection of what is taking place in your heart. Amen. We see the wonder of the wicked and then we see the words of the wicked. But then we see this, we see the wages 
of the wicked. Look what God says. This is strong language. Look at the words that he uses in verse number five. He said, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. You know what he's saying? He's saying those that use their tongue and use their words to destroy others and to tear them down, God is going to destroy you. He said, he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Judgment awaits that crowd and he is going to drive them out. He's going to snuff their life out and they will be forgotten and they will not be remembered. So the wages of the wicked. But then notice this, the weakness of the wicked. Verse number seven, David said this. He said, lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. I was interested in that word strengthened. That obviously means this. It means to build up. It means to fortify. It means to improve. And when David is talking about this man named Doeg, he is strengthening himself in his wickedness. He is making it a common practice. He's not only doing it, but he's good at it. And he is enjoying it while he is doing it. And you say, why does he do that? Because he has not made God his strength. And while he yet thinks himself to be strong, God in fact tells us that that man is weak. The name Doeg tonight means this. It means fearful or it means timid. In our common language, we could say it like this. Doeg did the things he did because he had an insecurity problem. He was not secure in himself. And so he had to make others look bad. He had to tear others down with his word. He, it was no problem for him to murder somebody or stab them in the back because he was, he was somehow vindicating himself and making himself feel okay and making himself feel better. And people just do that because they're weak. They run others down because they're weak. They use people as stepping stones because they are weak. And so David describes all of this. He describes the actions of Doeg and he, he's wondering about this and he looks at everything and it looks bad, but thank God there is some resolve in verse number eight and some encouragement that David gives us. Look what he said. He said, all this is going on. All of this is happening. But in verse number eight, he says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. And you can almost hear the resolve in David's voice. He says, all this is going on. All this is happening. But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I don't know what that crowd's gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do tomorrow. I don't know what the direction they're going to be 10 years from now but I know what me and mine are going to do we're going to stay with the house of God we're going to stay with the Bible we're going to stay with living clean and living right and living righteous because that's what God blesses and that's what God honors tonight amen he said I'm like the green olive tree in the house of God and I got to thinking about tonight what David was talking about, what David was saying in verse number eight, and I got to studying a little bit on these olive trees, and uh, there are some great things that we can look and we can find 
these attributes of this olive tree and they apply to our life spiritually. And the first thing that I want to show you tonight is this. I want to show you the forbearance of the olive tree. The forbearance of the olive tree. David said in verse number eight, he said, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. When we think about the forbearance of the olive tree, we think about this. When you, when you think about modern agriculture and you think about how they harvest things nowadays, they have tractors, they have different uh, uh, pieces of equipment that will take care of this. Uh, but we know an olive, it grows on a tree. And uh, what, would hap- what happens nowadays is they take this piece of equipment and they'll pull it up to the trunk of that tree and it'll shake that tree and those olives or that fruit or whatever, the nuts that are upon that tree, they'll fall down to the ground for harvest. But in biblical times, they didn't have that kind of equipment. They didn't have the John Deere or the Massey Ferguson that they could pull up to the tree. So what they did is the masters that oversaw the vineyards, they would call for their servants at harvest time and he would call for his servants to go get the clubs, the the bats, if you will. And what they would do is they would all gather around these trees in groups and they would begin to whack these trees and beat on these trees and they would beat on the trunk and they would beat upon the limbs and the fruit would fall down and those masters and those servants were able to gather that harvest. Can I tell you this tonight? Being a Christian, you're going to have to forbear some things. Just like that olive tree, there are times in life where you're going to have to take some abuse. Amen? You know what Paul said to Timothy? He said, that, he said Timothy, he said, you're a young pastor. You're at this church at Ephesus, but I want to encourage you. I want you to endure hardness as a good soldier. Amen? We know this tonight and we're no stranger to this idea and this fact, but the Christian life is not a bed of roses. It is not a cakewalk. It's not all lollipops and rainbows. Uh, But there are times in this life when we're going to have to forbear some things uh, just like David had to deal with Doeg and his long tongue uh, and his vicious words. Uh, uh, David was able to just so forbear some things. Uh, uh, Doeg did not know God. Uh, uh, Doeg was wicked and he was foreign from God. Uh, uh, But thank God there was a day in David's life uh, where the man of God came by one day and he anointed that little boy uh, and he was filled with the spirit of God uh, and he was able to forbear some things in his life. It's not easy. While they're beating on you, while they're stressing you out and while things are not making sense and while you can't understand, can I tell you, you just hold on because there is a harvest on the way, amen? There is a harvest on the way. Just take the abuse. Just quote you another verse of scripture. Just pray one more time. Just read you another verse. Just gather around the fellowship of the house of God. Just sing one more song. Just listen to one more message because there is a harvest that is coming your way. We see the forbearance of the olive tree. But then we think about this tonight. We not only think about the forbearance of the olive tree. It was able to take some abuse. But then we think about the foundation of the olive tree. Say, preacher, what do you mean? These olive trees were resilient. These olive trees are able to stand the test of time. They tell me this, and I don't know this to be fact, but I've heard this over and over and over again. I've done a little bit of research on it. 
to the best that I can find, they tell us this, that those, that place in Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, that word Gethsemane means this, it means olive press. And when Jesus was there with that inner circle of his disciples and he was praying at Gethsemane, the place that they've located now as Gethsemane, there are olive trees there. And they say this, that some of those olive trees have been standing for a number of years, not just hundreds of years, but there are olive trees that they believe to have been standing for over 2,000 years. And you say, how are they able to stand? How are they able to take the abuse? How are they able to stand the test of time? Here is why an olive tree is different from any other tree. When an olive tree begins to grow, you know what it does? It doesn't stretch its roots out, but it stretches its roots down. And those roots, they descend and descend and descend until they find a rock. And what they'll do is those roots will go down and they will attach themselves to that rock and they won't stop growing until they find that rock. And once they find that rock, they'll wrap their root system around that rock. They'll anchor themselves deep. There can come a hurricane. There can come whatever. Amen. There can come any kind of landslide. But listen, that olive tree is not going anywhere. You say, why is that? Because it's anchored to a shore foundation. It's anchored to the rock tonight. Amen. Listen, if you and I are to endure some things as a Christian tonight, if you and I are to put up with some things, thank God you need to be anchored to the rock tonight. Amen. You say, preacher, who's that rock? That rock is Christ tonight. Amen. Isaiah said this. He said he's a sure foundation. He's a tried stone. He's a precious stone. He's a chief cornerstone. I'm glad, thank God, I'm not holding on to some prayer that I prayed. I'm not holding on to some denominational creed. I'm not hanging on to what a preacher said. But thank God I'm anchored in Christ. The anchor of hope for our soul tonight. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. When you're having to forbear some things, just get a hold of Jesus. Jesus said this in John chapter number 15. He told his disciples, he said this. He said, I am the vine. You know why he referred himself to that vine? Because in the Old Testament, God called Israel a vine and she did not do what God wanted them to do. They did not produce fruit. Jesus said, he said, I'm the true vine. He said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Without me, ye can do nothing tonight. Amen. So when the hard times come, when the storms in life are raging, when you're confused and you don't know which way is up and you don't know which way to turn, just use the opportunity that God has given you to draw closer to him tonight. Amen. Draw closer to Christ. John said this in his epistle in chapter number one and chapter number two. He said, abide in him. Abide in him. That's what we ought to do tonight. We ought to abide in him. How do we abide in him? David said, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Being in your place in the sanctuary. Being in your place in the house of God. Being in your place, you say, well, there's people that have backslid on a church. I understand that, but not coming to church is not the answer. 
Not going to church, not reading your Bible, not praying is not the answer tonight. It is the answer. What a great support system God has given us to abide in Christ tonight. I'm glad I'm settled to the right foundation. I'm glad he's unshakable tonight. The Bible tells us this, that there is no variableness in him. There is no shadow of turning. He told the children of Israel, he said this, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You turn over to the New Testament and the writer of Hebrews said this. He said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad he's the God of the ages. I'm glad he's the God who never changes. He's immutable tonight and he's unchangeable and your servant circumstance may change. The aspects of your life may change. There may be people that walk off and leave you. But honey, I'm telling you tonight, Christ never changes. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. And I'm glad we're anchored to the rock tonight. Amen. We see the forbearance of the olive tree, the foundation of the olive tree. But then I want you to think about this and I'll be done. The fruit of the olive tree. After all, that's what God has designed us to do. It's to glorify Him and produce fruit to His name. You know, it's interesting in Psalm chapter number 52, David, he says this, he said, but I am like a a green olive tree. Psalm 37 and verse number 35 compares the wicked to a tree, but he, he compares them to the bay tree. Bay leaves used in... Uh, cooking, if you're familiar with that, that's what that's talking about. But you know something interesting about the bay tree? The bay tree has those real rich green leaves. It's got that strong, hardy wood, but it produces absolutely zero fruit. It has absolutely no fruit. And so the righteous is compared to this green olive tree, but the wicked are compared to a bay bay tree. What is that simply telling us? The wicked, they have works. There are things that are manifested in their life. They have things that they do, but the Bible never, ever calls the works of the wicked. He never calls it fruit. God never calls it fruit. But the spiritual man has fruit. The spiritual man produces for the honor and the glory of God. When those olives were harvested in biblical times, they would take them to the press and they were pressed three different times. And each press had a correlative use. When they would take those olives, they would press them and the first press, it always went to God. That was the tithe. That was used for worship in the temple. That was used for the work and the anointing uh, of the high priest. That was used in those sacrifices, those offerings that were given. It was given to God. And you know the first reason tonight that you and I produce fruit, it is to honor and glorify God. We've said that over and over and over again. But listen, fruit is not made to impress the brethren. Fruit is not uh, made to magnify yourself in the sight of the church. 
Fruit is not to edify one member of the body above another, but listen, fruit is given and fruit is produced in your life to the honor and glory of God. That is what he has designed us to do. That is what he has saved us to do. Listen, I appreciate the songs. I appreciate the things that we testify about, but listen, I've got news for you tonight. God did not save you so you could have a funny feeling in church. God did not save you for yourself uh, so that you could weep and shout and I'm glad for that tonight and that's just a byproduct of his grace uh, but God saved you for himself tonight, amen. He saved you for himself. That first press was the tithe. It went to God but then that second press was used for things like medicinal use. Thou anointest my head with oil, those kind of things. We have that quotation from Psalm chapter number 23, not only for medicinal use upon the animals, but also medicinal use upon the humans. You know why God gives us fruit? The second reason is this, is that you and I can help others. He allows us to bear fruit in our life so that when they look at us and they see the honor and glory of God in their life, listen, I appreciate the testimonies tonight that were given. There may be somebody here struggling tonight. There may be somebody saying, can God ever use somebody like me? You may have went through a hard time, through a heartache. Listen, I, me and my family went to a church and they about ripped our heart out. And one of the questions that I had in my mind, is it ever going to be like it was again? Is this going to happen? Is everybody like this? Where do we go? Where do we turn? What do we do now? Oh, but listen, thank God for some people that I could look to in their life and they've been through some hard times and they lent a helping hand and they reached out to us when we were hurting and they drew us back in and they helped us. The second press was to help others. But then that third press it was used, that oil was used to light their homes, to light their places, their abode, their dwelling places at night. They would put oil in those lamps and they would light the end of that lamp and that oil would burn. Can I tell you this? There is a world that needs to see fruit in our lives. There is a world that needs to see that God is real. And I know that it comes down to faith. I understand that. Wicked and ungodly generation looks for a sign. We know that salvation is by faith. But listen, you and I are to be a testimony to this world. You don't know the places that we go. People talk about the Jubilee meeting and they talk about Brother Gravely's ministry and they talk about this church and say what a blessing it is and what a well of refreshment it is. Listen, you have part in that tonight, amen. You have a hand in that. We need to be a light to this world. That is the forgotten aspect of Christianity. I really wholeheartedly believe that because we've gotten into this me generation. We've gotten into this, well, I don't have time for that. God, God leads you, why don't you go give that person a try? I don't have time. I've got to go home. I've got to get supper on the table. We've got to get the kids a bath. We've got to get in bed. I do not have time for that and we are living for ourselves. But we need to start living for others. That's me included tonight. May God help us to be a light 
for this world. He said in verse number nine, he said, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. God, you've established me. You're the one who's put me in this position. And I will wait on thy name because, for it is good before thy saints. David knew that God had everything in control tonight. Let's stand together all over the Lord's house while they come with a song tonight.